Welcome back to Conversations with T. Adeyemo. In this episode, we speak to Edmonton City Councilor Tim Cartmel. We talk crank control, snow plowing, um, just pretty much everything you really want us to get through. We hope you enjoy listening. Okay, um, we are live. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Conversations. We have Councillor Tim Cartmel on the show today. Welcome, Councillor. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the, the chance to have a conversation. Sweet. Um, did you have a good summer, Councillor? Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. Thank you for asking. Uh, my wife and I managed to get out of town for a few weeks. And, uh, during that time, we were able to uh, uh, actually completely detach from the work of uh, City Hall and City Council. So it was a really relaxing break. So it was great. Yeah. Awesome. And when we talk about what you do at City Council, what parts would you reflect on as being the most rewarding? Uh, well, I think the most rewarding is um, the uh, conversations I get to have with uh, with constituents, both uh, individually and in groups. It, it's uh, really rewarding and, and um, uh, something that I really came to enjoy. You know, when I first ran for uh, for office in 2017, the one thing I really thought I would struggle with would be door knocking and, and meeting with people and public speaking and those kinds of things. And that has turned out to be uh, by far the most rewarding and most fun part of the of my job. Uh, you know, part of that is understanding what people are looking for from city council and from the city. And, uh, you know, having an opportunity to help people solve the individual concerns that they have or problems they might be having uh, is, is really rewarding. So that's without question the best part of my, best part of the job for me. Um, I hear that you may be thinking about running for office at the end of this term. Is that true? Have I bought into a lie? Uh, well, I haven't decided what I'll do at the end of this term. I'm pretty much focused on on the next uh, three and a bit years. Uh, you know, that's my uh, that's the the length of term for city council, and so I'm focused on that work. And and uh, you know, my my role as a city councillor is is to represent uh, you know in a more granular way and in a more individual way uh, the constituents of Ward Behesuan. But my responsibilities. Uh, as a city councillor, are also to do the best things for the city and to to represent the city where where that's needed, and where I'm asked uh, to uh, interact with other levels of government in support of the city. So I enjoy doing all of those things, uh, and my focus is really there. Um, I I won't turn my mind to uh, what I'm going to do after this term until closer to the end of the term. I would say. Of course, fair enough. Well, well answered as well. Uh, would you say when it comes to granular meeting people um, that you have experienced maybe anything like uh, Minister Freeland experience from the hands of people when you go door knocking? Because that is a huge favour for me. Well, and I'm not a politician. Does that ever happen to you when you go around doing your work, sir? You know, it well, so uh, it does. It does happen to me. Uh, uh, we do get very rude and, and uh, at times uh, threatening and vulgar uh, emails and phone calls to my office. Uh, and I can, uh, the, what troubles me about that is that I have two very capable uh, and earnest and, and uh, hardworking assistants, uh, both of whom are female. 
and it's it, it's really unfair that they are often uh, the first to see some of that communication that might be intended for me, but is but is not at all respectful or uh, or really worthy of contemplation. So that's what bothers me about it. I'm you know I uh, I don't mind. I shouldn't say it that way. I, you know I can. I can manage when people are aggressive with me and they use that kind of language and, and uh, I can find my way through it or I can find a way to, um, uh, to disengage from that conversation. I do not get, as a, as a male and, and uh, maybe provocatively saying, as a white male, I don't get what people of color get. I particularly do not get what women of color get. And uh, I, it's, 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 absolutely shameful and, and regrettable that there's some that think that uh, they have the right to treat anyone this way, never mind using fear and intimidation and bullying tactics, you know, to, uh, towards others. It's, uh, it's shameful conduct. There is absolutely uh, no excusing it. Uh, and I, I, I really wish we could find a way to go back to that uh, more respectful and intelligent exchange of ideas uh, in our politics. We're not going to agree on everything. We have different perspectives. That's the beauty of a democratic system, particularly a municipal government, where you bring people from different parts of the city, from different walks of life, from different lived experiences, and you come together to make the best decisions you can in a consensus model. Uh, nothing should be permitted to undermine that ethic. And uh, I, I find it very disappointing and disturbing and and uh, uh, I'm very keen to try to find a solution set that uh, takes us away from this kind of activity. Thank you very much, Councillor. I'm just wondering, would you say the rhetoric has reduced since 2017 or it, um, we are seeing a peak of hostile political climate? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I hope we've seen the peak because if we haven't, that means it gets worse from here. And I, and I, you know that to me would be profoundly troubling. Uh, it is worse than 2017. This, you know, the uh, my predecessor uh, Brian Anderson uh, and I had many conversations about what the role of a councillor was, what what you might expect, what your responsibilities were, uh, you know, what your points of contact were, who you might uh, talk to, and who might want to talk to you. All of those things, all those things that went into the life of a councillor. It is so different today than those conversations we had in 2016 and 2017. It's, uh, there's a faint resemblance in, in how uh, the life of a councillor uh, or what the life of the councillor is and what they will encounter today versus what it was six, seven, eight years ago. It's, uh, there's no doubt it's worse. Uh, and I, I, I fear that it's going to get worse from here. Mm. Councillor, I, I am very mindful that your council has done or there. You guys are doing a lot of work, incredible work, as a matter of fact, to protect people of colour and women of colour. Your council is very sensitive to these needs. I I know this because I, I listen in to your conversations or discussions on YouTube. So well, would you say your council is doing everything they can do to protect women of colour, hijabis, BIPOC women, Indigenous women, are we at the, are we seeing the best, the best of what you can do to protect them? I think that we're trying to do the very best we can every day with the tools that we have that day. Uh, I, I, I would hesitate, 
pardon me, I would hesitate to say we've we've done everything we can because I I always think there's more we can do. Uh, I always think that there's you know another potential solution or another way to model behavior or another way to um, to change what we've seen in our city and in our society. So I I don't think we're done, uh, but I think we are trying uh, every day to do the very best we can. Uh, we don't have all of the tools necessarily that that um, we might want. Uh, some of those decisions, uh, some of those policy documents or, or, or procedures, some of those uh, pieces of legislation live at other levels of government that uh, you know that, that we cannot on our own change. Uh, that we have to lobby for change or adjustment or revision or refinement. Um, but I do think that uh, that our council is is. Uh, trying very hard to uh, change the circumstances that uh, particularly women of color, particularly uh, w Muslim women, have encountered in Edmonton. Uh, part of that is understanding, I think, just, just why those things are happening, what, you know, what causes aggressive people to act out. Um, and solutions are elusive, quite frankly. But, uh, but I do think we're trying our best. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a long way to go, though, T. Okay. I appreciate your, your response and I like, I feel somewhat comforted when you say there's more we can do. I think, I don't think we are done. There's still a lot more that you guys are looking in. I mean, if there's anything, I know you're very effective and I've seen the way you work in community. You, just before the summer, you launched, you were part of a team that launched a high school not too far away from me. And I heard brilliant things about you from all the work you did there. So I want us to go into the salt situation now, oh, the snow yeah. salt situation. Every year is catastrophic. And I'm just wondering with Emmanuel Caliber on council, can you give us a pre-essence or a sense of what to expect? This We're gonna go past fall and the snow is, is gonna hit us. What should Edmontonians be expecting from council in terms of salt allocation, salt distribution, um, generally? As you so, pardon me. I um. So there were, we were using salt in two forms. One was in a in a fluid form, and the other was in a solid form. And we uh, council chose to eliminate the the solution uh, or the liquid salt application about three years ago, I think now. And, uh, you know, but that was a very small part in a, in a, uh, of the total amount of salt that we used. And I think, I think that uh, city administration had a fundamental misunderstanding of how salt is intended to be used and what the effects might be. So uh, I, I, we will not, I don't, to, to my knowledge, we will not see more salt used. Uh, we'll see about the same. The city has tried to use salt and sand in a mixture that it's effective. And frankly, the city of Edmonton used to be a leader in this realm until uh, past councils got into the mix and, and tried to compel more salt and less sand for reasons that remain unknown to me. Looking forward, though, I, our strategy going into this winter is uh, and is to try to activate more of the equipment. What we found last year uh, and what administration finally uh, forthrightly reported to us uh, earlier in the summer was that not all of the equipment that's used for clearing roads and sidewalks was active, uh, that we didn't have enough people uh, to operate that equipment through various, uh, for various reasons. But uh, council found that to be uh, rather alarming uh, to see that report. Uh, 
while acknowledging that at least it was forthright and and, uh, and perhaps more data informed than past reports have been. So going forward, uh, Council approved a modest amount of money for the balance of, of 2022 uh, to see more of that equipment activated, which frankly means more plowing sooner after a snow event. So we should see a, a, a dramatic effect in how quickly plows arrive. Uh, so that's one piece of the puzzle. Uh, we have more to consider as we get to uh, November and December. We will be discussing the next four-year operating and capital budgets, which will determine just how much uh, money we put into snow clearing over the next four years. So that's a bit of a conversation to come. And then finally, for uh, for Ward Pahesawin, uh, I moved a motion to have a snow clearing yard be built in Ambleside. So what that means is is that uh, those trucks, uh, the piles of sand, uh, that uh, all of that equipment and the people that uh, operate that equipment will be much closer to our neighborhoods when they start their day. Uh, so they won't spend a lot of time traveling across the city to our corner. They will start their day in this corner of the city. And uh, that too will allow more equipment to spend more time moving more snow on more roads faster. So I'm really hoping to see uh, you know, a, a coming together of a few of these pieces that sees uh, our snow clearing effect uh, efforts much more effective, um, but probably using about the same amount of salt, uh, ideally in a more effective way. Okay, I'm going to remember very well. Uh, maybe you know all of these changes that are coming to the uh, snow salt situation or snow clearing situation, I should say. Um, I'd like to ask this question um it's not random rent prices are outrageous in this city i'm just wondering in, in the ambit of your work as councillor is is it time to put a cap on rent do, is this part of what you do to stop greedy landlords from um taking all our money those of us who rent because uh, i think it's pretty expensive for single parents to be able to rent two bedroom if your rent is going on at 1700 1800 a month so i i i don't think we have the authority to do that in in edmonton to, to put caps on rents i i uh, i'm not sure that we have the legal authority under the municipal government act to do that uh nor do i think that is the solution i think that um uh really what we have uh in edmonton is a lack of uh, rental accommodation. There's just not enough units to go around to, you know, and so if we had more units available, there'd be more competition. And I think we would see uh, at least some of that rental price fall. Uh, there's also though, uh, I would suggest that there's um, uh, a number of people that uh, even, even if the rents came down a little bit would still have a, a difficult time affording their rent. So I would like to see us do things on the other side where we, uh, either supplement uh, people's income so that they can afford uh, the rent prices until until they normalize, or uh, do something to uh, initiate and and try to catalyze a lot more building of rental accommodation, but maybe subsidize some of the units so that uh, so that some of them or or a healthy proportion of them are available at below market rents, and I think those are better mechanisms so that we promote more building uh you know to the point where where prices come down but in the meantime we help those that really need uh the most help uh and and allow that uh to work there's um uh, the city of edmonton has a couple of partner organizations and there's one called home ed 
which does this very thing. And so what the city council is trying to do is support home ed to give it uh, much greater borrowing power so that they can buy buildings and in turn offer uh, rental accommodation at below market rates uh, across the city. So we're trying to encourage those organizations to, to do those things and support them financially to do those things. Uh, that is one. Uh, and that's frankly my favorite one uh, because it operates, uh, it, it's essentially a, a city-owned organization that is working in this realm and it's responsible to us and not to anybody else. So it's uh, it's those kinds of things that I'd like to see. We recognize it's a real problem and, and uh, what we're trying to do is keep uh, other areas of affordability uh, more reasonable. So admissions to recreation centers or bus fares or uh, you know, other fees that the city might charge people. We want to make sure that those that uh, have lesser income or are struggling to pay those things have the same opportunity to get access to city-owned amenities uh, that anybody else would have. So th those are our points of focus. Thank you very much, Councillor. I I know our time is nearly up, but we also didn't start our schedule. I, I, and I also wanted to say that, acts, are you flexible with time? Maybe yes, one uh, yeah, we can take an extra. Few, we can take okay. an extra few minutes. That's fine. Take as much time as you like. Sure. All right. Thank you very much. And yeah. and please forgive me. I understand that the city council is not God Almighty. But when I put a question about healthcare, I know you had a day surgery recently, and you had to take that appointment um, because of the healthcare situation. Is there anything, just about anything, the city can do really um, to help our healthcare situation? Well, you know, our healthcare system is challenged in so many ways. And so what we're trying to do is really encourage, you know, it, so, and, you know, and, if, and, and we see it manifest itself in the city, you know, when it comes to things like um, uh, mental health uh, concerns, addiction concerns, those kinds of things. So, uh, so maybe just taking them one at a time. So there's not a lot that the city can do to try to um, uh, expand emergency room capacity or to see uh, emergency room wait times improve. That is solely and, and completely the uh, provincial government's responsibility. Uh, and like a lot of other organizations and agencies, they are struggling to have enough people working in order to uh, enable them to to sort of bite back on those backlogs. So that's that's their challenge, but it's, it's really entirely their challenge. Whereas uh, this is a, a report that we're going to consider at committee next week uh, talks about drug checking. And uh, if memory serves, we've had, uh, I think in this calendar year, roughly f over 500 people die of opioid overdose in, in private homes. So in a, in a home, uh, you know, surrounded by four walls and a roof in a, in a, in a private area, so to speak, uh, versus 200 and some uh, people that have died uh, on the streets, you know, to say it in that way. Uh, we have a we have an overdose crisis. We have a use crisis, and and, a, and so what the city is examining is a drug checking program that would at least help those that are using uh, using these uh, materials uh, to ensure that what they're using is safe and not laced with some other poisons or you know those kinds of things. You know, so that's we're we're trying to sort of the city sort of picks at the edges of some of these things to try to enhance the healthcare system uh, in places where. Uh, you know the healthcare system. You know has a has a overlapping effect into places in the city. It's um, because when somebody overdoses either in their home or on the street, it's it's our rescue services that respond first. 
uh, when we see numbers of vulnerable people struggling with mental health uh, troubles or uh, addiction problems uh, and that are also houseless. Uh, it's the city that has to respond first. So we are both trying to uh, enhance and, and bolster our responses and add resources to those, but at the same time trying to uh, have those meaningful conversations with the province who, who does have a healthcare ministry to help us manage these uh, these issues when they land at the feet of city councillors. Mm. All right, well, thank you for your take on that. I'm just wondering, um, does a change within the provincial government in about a month's time, um, will it affect, actually, can the city undo any of the harm that the provincial government, um, that we, there was a tussle back and forth, there was some, um, a power tussle from the provincial side. Would we, would the city be able to roll any of that back, um, given a new uh, premier that'll be coming in anytime soon? Is it possible any rollback? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you would define as sort of, um, you know, power tussle. Yeah, harms that the province has done. You know, our relationship with the with the provincial government is complicated. Uh, you know, um, it, we are closest, you know, I'll give you a few examples. We are closest to the communities uh, as city councillors. We hear from people immediately and, and uh, we hear about things like healthcare, like you just asked, T, uh, or uh, about schools. Uh, but we have no control over those things. So, you know, in that way, that relationship is very much, uh, you know, a parental relationship. We're lobbying on behalf of our constituents, but the ultimate final decision comes with the province and and uh you know whereas uh we also have a financial relationship with the province where they do provide uh financial support for uh some of our capital programs and and more on our operating budgets so uh you know it they give us some money we feel like they should give us more money they feel like they should give us less uh, so that's a constant conversation, and uh, and you know we continue to try to to make the case for that. It's uh, so the relationship with the province is extremely complicated, and I uh, and I don't know uh, that um, the underlying policies, the underlying uh, tone, the underlying philosophy of the government is going to change with this leadership change. I, I don't see a significant shift, frankly, uh, but I'll be honest, nor did I see a significant shift when uh, with the previous government, you know, we, we the, the relationship with the province is very much that the, the province is the parent and the cities are the child. And, uh, and they never fail to remind us of it, regardless of which party is forming the government at that time. So um, this is a bit of a universal struggle to, uh, to try to uh, represent our constituents and enhance, uh, you know, their their enjoyment of the city and their experience in the city uh, with that conversation and with that relationship. Mm. Thank yeah. you. So, what, what do you do for your mental health, other than talking to your constituents? <laughs> and do you get time maybe to read or watch Netflix, maybe? <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, my wife and I usually end, you know, our last hour of the day is uh, a program on television and, and uh, that we often fall asleep in front of, I must admit. So uh, I'm, I uh, really enjoy athletic pursuits. I run, uh, 
uh, although with this knee surgery, perhaps not anymore. I bicycle, I golf, I uh, um, hike, I walk. Uh, I, I try to play basketball, although I've been doing less of that. I used to play football. I can't do that anymore. So uh, those are sort of those mental health things that I really enjoy. I, I enjoy fitness. I enjoy a good workout. And that, that certainly uh, is my mental health uh, release um, uh, for me. I also, I do read, uh, I do read, which is odd because counselors read sometimes 3000 pages of reports a week, but uh, I do read for pleasure as well. So. Yeah. That's very nice to know. Councillor Cutmore, we've taken enough of your time. Maybe next time we, we have you, we'll explore some of the books you do read leisurely. But for now, I want to say thank you so very much for your time. Thanks for the opportunity. It's really nice chatting with you. And uh, yeah, happy to come back whenever you like. Okay. Thank you, sir. Please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Take care. Was that good or was that good? Thank you for listening to the conversation with Councillor Cartmel. As always, we need your support to grow. Please like, share, subscribe our content. As a matter of fact, to make my day, please share this content to 10 people right now, or better still, seven or five. Whatever your lucky juicy number is, you go right ahead. Share now. Thanks again.